Welcome to the Next Brave Thing podcast. My name is Ella Hooper, and I believe that breakthrough is on the other side of bravery. This podcast features brave stories, emotional health, and creativity to inspire you to take your next brave step. Hi, everyone. Today on the podcast, I have a special guest called Ruth Outram, and you have been you lived in Reading for nine years, I just found out. I did, nine yes, years. Yes, but you're, you've actually been back in England, and yes. then now you're back visiting again. Yes. I'm so, here for a little holiday. Oh, that's so fun. It's so funny to come on holiday to the place that you used to live. Yeah. You're driving around and you're like, oh, this feels like home. Yes, so home crazy. Anymore. Yeah, and I was like, because... This is the first time, guys, I am actually meeting Ruth. <laughs> so <Yes. laughs> it's very fun. We're meeting each other for the first time. But I've actually heard of her through our environment. I, like, have known who you are. And then um, I've heard you on my friend's podcasts. And I was like, if, you know, I, I'm just going to randomly reach out to you on Instagram and see if you want to come on my <laughs> podcast and talk about all these wise and fascinating things that you talk about. So thanks for coming on. You're very welcome. Yes. I I should probably let you know that I arrived two hours too early for the podcast. I had a dyslexic moment, arrived at (laughs) half 12, and then realized, oh, Ella's not coming till half two. Yeah, yeah. But we made it. But we made it. It all worked out. (laughs) We are here. So that's super fun. But I'd love for the audience to hear who you are Mm -hmm. um, and just a bit about your story. you're training to be a clinical psychologist. That is I got correct. that right? Yeah. Yes. And so, guys, I wanted to have her on because something I talk about a lot with my students and my personal life and clients is relationships and how we connect. And I just felt like uh, Ruth really had great stories and insight into that. But yeah, kick us off with like, tell us who you are and yes. what you're about. So. You may be able to tell from my accent, I'm from the UK. Yes. Um, although I'm sounding a little bit American being here again. Yeah. I picked up a little bit of a twang, but I, yeah. I try. I, I have a twang. It's hard, I just, isn't it? It's so hard. It's so hard yes. to not. Yeah. Um, so I'm from the UK. I'm from a place called Nottingham, Oh, which is the home like, of Robin Hood. Yep. Oh, right. So and I, like the movie as in well. In the movies, yeah. So yeah. I was talking to someone this morning. Sherwood Forest is a real place. Oh, wow. Major Oak is a real place. I doubt Robin go. Hood li- actually lived in the tree. Yeah, but yeah. it's a real place. That was my favorite cartoon. We would watch it over and over oh, as kids. Oh, it was so great, wasn't it? With so the foxes. Great. Yes. I know. And Marion. One, <laughs> one of Disney's finest. Yes, totally. Um, so I'm from Nottingham, um, and I went to university in Bath, where I studied biology. Um, oh, wow. Initially, thought I wanted to be a medical doctor. Uh, kind of started moving in that direction and then realized, wow, you really got to love this if you mm. want to do it. And I was like, oh, don't know that I love mm. it that much. Um, and I had a really good friend from university, also f- who's called Ruth. Yeah. Um, and she had come out to do the ministry school in Reading, BSSM, the year before. And we met up over the summer and she was like, oh, you should look into coming out. And I thought, no, 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 no way. Uh, that's for like crazy healing evangelist people. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But kind of sat on it and really felt the Lord tugging at my heart about it a bit, applied to come out, came out, um, and it just radically changed my life. And mm-hmm. I thought it was coming for nine months. I stayed for nine years. Yes. Um, went through three years of the school. R- school for me was a lot about running at my shame, running at my fear, learning yeah. to let unconditional love in. Yeah. Um, I got connected with your friends while yeah. I was in school. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I then pastored in the first year of the school for three years. Mm -hmm. So that's taking 70-odd people every year through kind of a nine-month journey. And it was wild and crazy and wonderful and exhausting and full of so much freedom. And I loved it. And then I pivoted slightly and did a year pastoring online Mm -hmm. very much like are you pastoring online no No, i'm in person i'm in person person. yeah yeah yeah. okay Mm -hmm. yeah the real deal Mm -hmm. the real Uh, (laughs) pastored online we can't close the laptop yeah i know gosh 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 gosh. yeah it was such relief when i first (laughs) closed the laptop after revival group yes (laughs) um pastored online for a year with bethel tech Mm -hmm. um this was pre-covid pre-pandemic so we were kind of slightly ahead of the game in the zoom yes department but um did that for a year and then I uh, just really felt God pulling me to go back to the UK. I had mm. a, I'd been pastoring for a good old while. I loved learning about um, 
helping people get connected to their most authentic self and work through pain and work through difficult thought patterns and Mm -hmm. learning how to improve their relationships, uh, run at their fear. Just wanted to learn and grow more, really wanted to go back to school. Um, Mm -hmm. So moved back to the UK. I moved back right in the middle of the pandemic. So it was a little bit of holy chaos. Yes. Um, Started my master's uh, in psychology did that in 12 months wow um and then i've been working as an assistant psychologist in the nhs for the last year and a half mm-hmm. um in a community setting so that's all kinds of people with uh ptsd bipolar mm-hmm. schizophrenia mm-hmm. people who can be really quite unwell yeah um and i'm just about to start my doctorate in clinical psychology in two weeks time um, I'll be moving up to Glasgow, Scotland. Okay. Uh, oh wow. So maybe I'll pick up a bit of a Scottish yeah, twang. I bet you. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's a little bit of my journey in yeah. nutshell. Wow, that's amazing, and um, I love it because your. I think what our school creates, BSSM mm. creates, is like out of the box thinkers, mm. and you really just from hearing you on different podcasts, you're mm. like very out of the box and innovative. Because mm. I think that. Um, because I even find when trying to send, you know, clients or people to psychologists in Australia, I'm mm. like, I don't even know where to send you because totally. it feels a lot like behavioral management or they because there is this kind of thing of like, can can you lead you can lead people to the level of breakthrough that you've kind of yeah, had in some ways? Absolutely. Do you sort of have you felt that in oh. like doing BSSM and then yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I think um you know, like as you say, it's a little bit of a point of contention inside of psychology because yeah. you're not actually required to do your own, or at least in the UK, mm-hmm. you're not required to do your own counselling yeah. to be a psychologist with people. And I just oh, kind of struggle so, with that. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I agree with you. I think yeah. it's really difficult for me to take somebody to a place inside themselves that I've not been willing to go inside of myself. Yeah. So if I'm sat with someone and I'm trying yes. to ask them to face some of their deepest pain or some of their deepest shame, and I have not been willing to at least try and go there myself or yes. at least start on that journey, Yeah, I think it's it, it disconnects you from yeah. the attunement yes. that you're actually really hoping to be able to create with that person inside of that yeah. room, inside of that space. Yeah. Um, and I think going on your own journey helps you connect dots better yeah. for other people. Totally. It helps you kind of understand the interplay a bit more between emotions and thoughts and, yes. you know, our somatic body stuff and how it all kind of works together. Yeah. And, um, I mean, I'm a big believer in it. I think I it just totally makes you totally agree. I totally agree. Yeah. And I think when you're sitting on the receiving end you can feel like, oh, I would have totally asked that question. But now, or if you have a bad counselor or or an experience, you're like, oh, that's what that would feel like. I hope, you know, maybe I can learn from maybe not doing that or whatever. So, yeah, but it's so true because, yeah, like going, having your own breakthrough so that you can give that away, which is so cool. And I think it keeps you really humble as well. Like it's, goodness me, it's vulnerable, isn't it? Sitting the other side of the couch being counselled. Yes. I know that's so true because I think when you have all this education, you could feel maybe Mm. a little superior. Yeah. (laughs) But actually, I think when you are consistently showing up to counselling, you realise like, oh, we're we're actually all (laughs) equals humanity. Like we've all got things... Working through stuff. <laughs> We're all working through. We all have blind spots. Fun, fun. Anyway, but I, you said something just before about running at shame, mm. running at, like, fears and mm. things. Like, um, for people who haven't done BSSM, like, what does that mean? Mm. Yeah. Well, I, I guess I should start by saying, um, I don't know if Australian culture is like this, yeah. but UK culture, especially sort of 10-odd years ago, was very unemotionally aware. Uh-huh, yes. You know, we didn't talk about our feelings, mm-hmm. we didn't talk about our fears, we didn't talk yeah. about, and how are you? I'm fine, yes, yeah. okay, good, yeah. moving on. That's kind yeah. of how it was. And I, coming to BSSM for the first time was when I first sort of started realising, like, hang on a minute, mm-hmm. I have all this fear in my life. Yeah. I have all these anxieties, I have mm-hmm. all these spaces of... Uh, where I believe that I'm not good enough or I'm mm-hmm. less than everybody else or mm-hmm. all of these spaces where I think the way that I show up isn't good enough yeah. or, um, you know, just all, all of these things that 
I began to be able to articulate for the first time were going on internally inside of me, mm-hmm. shaping the way that I lived my life. I didn't yeah. realize that shame made me quiet and mousy. I didn't realize yeah. that anxiety made me sort of live in a much smaller box than mm-hmm. I would have done um, otherwise. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I just wasn't really aware that those things were going on. And I remember um, coming in and, and seeing other people actually who'd gone on the journey before me other people yeah. who were like you can you can actually get breakthrough in yeah. your fear you can actually get breakthrough in your shame this is what it looks like to live a life free from shame mm. or more free from shame or more shame resilient however yes. you want to say it yeah. this is a, a way that you can live your life and be more resilient towards anxiety and I was like I didn't even know this was possible mm. I just literally thought I'm gonna have to live my life as a shy quiet yes. insecure person for the rest of my life and I yeah. guess I'll just you know get used to it and yeah. I almost like lit this fire inside of me of wow I didn't know this was an option for me mm. I don't think the world really knows that this is an option for them yes. most yes. of the time we just kind of suck it up don't we we're I like know. this is the way that I am and I guess you know That's I it. just have bad relationships I yeah. guess I just can't do intimacy I guess yeah I'm just a nervous person, I mm-hmm. guess. Yeah. And it was it was so addictive to me. Yes. Like this this mm-hmm. idea that, wow, I can actually keep moving forward and um, feeling more and more powerful in mm-hmm. the areas of life where I felt really powerless. Yes. Yes. Wow, that's yeah. so cool. And I think, um, yeah, like I love how you're giving language to what a lot of people think in relationships, kind of segueing into mm-hmm. attachment styles and how we connect. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think a lot of people, they have pain in relationships or they have the same kind of cycles in relationships and um, they either feel like it's everyone else's fault or it's all their fault mm-hmm. and they don't really know why it is the way, like why they attract what they attract and what how to feel powerful in it. Yeah. Um, and I heard you speak on Justin Abbey's podcast. Mm. It was actually a while ago on attachment mm. style. Mm. And so I'd love to hear how you first learned about attachment style and then yep. maybe we'll dive into what that actually is. Yep. Mm-hmm. Oh, my word. It, it, this is actually one of my favorite things to talk about. Oh, I love that. Learning yes. about it has changed my life yes. a lot. Yes. <laughs> um, so I first heard about it, um, I would have been pastoring and I think someone sent me a podcast And it was just a very short, you know, 30-minute podcast where they kind of just broke down three main attachment styles Mm. and and talked about how attachment is part of the way that we're wired to connect with people, part of the way that we um, help ourselves reset through connection with people. And it described these three types. Super basic. Mm -hmm. But I had... um, I had just gone through, I'd been dating a guy for a while and I'd just gone through a really intense breakup, Mm -hmm. um, heard this podcast and it blew my mind. I was like, oh my word, this is me. Yeah. This is me. I am avoidantly attached. This is. This. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm avoid. Oh. Uh And he was probably anxiously attached. And Mm -hmm. oh, it just like this light bulb went off. And I was like, oh, this is explaining so much of the dynamic that I felt inside of our relationship, the things that felt difficult, the things that felt um, almost immovable inside of me. Mm. Like I might kind of feel like I want to do something else, but I can't. Yeah. Do something else. Yeah. Um, so it just, I, I got super hooked, super interested, um, d- read all the books. Yeah. I don't know if you found this, but I found that a lot of books were a little bit kind of biased against avoidant attachment. Did you find, have you ever found this? That they don't like avoidant? They don't like Yes. Avoidant. Yes. They're I had a, a client reach it. To anxious the anxious than they I, are avoidant. I love that we're both like <laughs> avoidant so we can talk about I this. Know, because, I know. Yes. Because I do feel the same. I had a client actually say, because she's avoidant yes. as well. She was like, okay, so I read the book Attached and they really don't like avoidant they don't. people. That's exactly yes. the book I'm yes. thinking of. Yeah. 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 That's so funny that you say that. I know. Mm-hmm. So I devoured so many books. Yeah. And I was like, come on, somebody have a compassionate stance to the avoidance. To the avoidance. I avoidance. know. I know. Um, yeah, I loved it. And um, did a fair amount of my own therapy 
around my attachment style yeah. and how it shows up in, you know, I initially learned about it in the context of romantic relationships, mm-hmm. but then realizing, oh, wow, this shows up in every single relationship that I have. Yeah. It shows up in my relationship with my parents. It shows up in my relationship with my siblings, with my friends, at work. Mm-hmm. It shows up in my relationships with my clients. Yeah. It's yeah. everywhere. Yeah. So... I think because so what she's talking about is like there's anxious attachment, avoidant attachment, mm. and then secure attachment. Mm. But I've also heard there's like um, ambivalent. Yes. Is that in the same yes. kind of wheelhouse and which yes. is kind of like more hot and cold, I guess. So maybe, say so maybe it'd be helpful to give yeah, like a yeah, I'd break a brief it down. Yes, overview, that would yeah. be great. Yeah. So. Um, so I've, if we think about attachment as almost kind of like a continuum, like a a line, and mm-hmm. in the middle we have what we would call the holy grail mm-hmm. of attachment. This is secure attachment. Yes. And people who are secure – so attachment is sort of marked by can I go to other people to regulate mm-hmm. and can I go be by myself and regulate mm-hmm. as well? Mm-hmm. Can I – quite flexibly interchange between those two things. So when I feel anxious, when I feel stressed, when I feel overwhelmed, when I feel fear of rejection, Mm -hmm. am I comfortable going to someone else, being vulnerable and asking them to comfort me? Mm -hmm. And I can I equally be comfortable comforting myself and reassuring myself? Yes. And securely attached people are very good at that flexibility. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then if we go out to one side of the continuum, we have... um, avoidantly attached people, which would be myself mm-hmm. and same, yourself. Same, yeah. same, same. <laughs> um, and these people find it intensely, intensely vulnerable to go to someone else yeah. when they're feeling overwhelmed, when they're mm-hmm. feeling distressed, when they're feeling anxious, mm-hmm. um, to receive that reassurance, to receive that co-regulation would be another word that we would mm-hmm. use for it. So helping yeah. me re-regulate my emotions, yes. get back in my window of tolerance, get back in a space where I feel sort of not in fight or flight or not in mm-hmm. shutdown and freeze. Um, incredibly vulnerable. And it feels a lot safer to mm-hmm. regulate myself. Mm-hmm. Um, the problem is when you over-regulate yourself, you often find yourself using things to help numb you rather than regulate so avoidantly attached people tend to be very good at dissociating they tend to be very good at kind of sort of checking out tv shows or um a higher proportion of people with substance abuse tend to be avoidantly attached yeah um because it's it's this idea of there's no one here to help me manage my distressing emotions Mm -hmm. only me and sometimes you know for everybody that feels overwhelming and yeah i can't do it so i have to leave myself yes almost yes that makes sense come down and then if we go all the way to the other end of the continuum in anxious attachment um we have people who uh kind of the opposite of avoidant find it really intensely vulnerable and intensely scary to Mm self-soothe to Mm self-regulate um it can often feel like abandonment it can feel like uh, being told that you're not enough, being told yeah. that uh, you're not going to get your needs met. Mm-hmm. Um, and there can be a real intense drive and an intense need. Mm-hmm. Um, you kind of characterize it as a bit clingy maybe, a bit yeah. sort of, um, you know, don't leave me alone. I, I mm-hmm. need you to to come around as soon as possible. Yeah. Um, that intense need for someone else to be there in order yeah. for me to regulate my emotions, in order for me to come back down to level. Mm-hmm. Um so those would be the basic three, and then the ambivalent, or yes. another word for it would be disorganized. Oh yes, yeah. Um, uh, is characterized by people who have a mix of both avoidant and anxious. Mm-hmm. Um, so we tend to find this is a generalization, but we tend to find people with anxious attachment have parents who have sometimes been present and attuned with them, and sometimes not. Yeah. So sometimes mum stops and says hey, what's going on? What's wrong? I'll help you put language to your emotions. Mm-hmm. I'll cuddle you. I'll comfort you. I'll help you get back to regulated. I'll help you understand yourself. And sometimes she doesn't. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. she's cold. She's busy. She's distant. She yells at me. Yeah. So it creates a real anxiety inside of anxious people of sometimes somebody's going to be there and sometimes they're not. Yes. And it feels so painful and scary when they're not mm. that I feel this anxiousness to have somebody show up for me. 
And people with avoidant attachment tend to have had parents who themselves are probably quite avoidant. Mm -hmm. They're probably quite Mm -hmm. disconnected emotionally. Mm -hmm. Uh, We often find people with parents with depression, parents with addiction issues, um, parents with trauma. Um, People with avoidant attachment tend to come from those kind of backgrounds a little bit more because there's a, in in general, it's not mum shows up sometimes and sometimes she doesn't. It's mum very rarely shows up. Yeah. So I'm yeah. going to have to learn how to take care of my emotions, take care of my needs myself. Mm. And then the ambivalent and the disorganized, which is kind of a combination of the two, we generally find when people have come from more traumatic backgrounds. Yes. So when people have experienced um, complex trauma in childhood mm-hmm. or um, a really traumatic event even in adulthood. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we can also change our attachment styles as we get older. Praise God. FYI. Um, <laughs> yes, you we know, can. For good and for bad. And, mm-hmm. and different relationships can shift us further and up and down that continuum. So, yeah. you know, we can we can all make our way closer towards yes. that secure attachment. Yeah. Um, and we can all also, unfortunately, have instances that sometimes push us yeah. further one way or the other. One thing I'm curious about Mm. is, and I love to give vision and hope for Mm. actually we can actually learn how to be Mm. more securely attached because I think even though you and I have said, yeah, we probably strike more avoidant, (laughs) we're probably, you know, done some work on getting a working towards security, <laughs> sometimes security will bounce out, maybe yep. not be secure. But I'm curious because I find this fascinating in, like, our parent dynamics and how we show up, like, like with my dad relationship, maybe it was avoidant mm. then, but, like, for me, so it's really interesting. I would say because I, I have a good relationship with my mom, mm. I can sometimes feel I can have really feel secure inside of my female relationships mm-hmm. and feel really like sure that if they're busy or they don't text me back, I don't go into a story that they yeah. don't love me. Um, but it's interesting, but because of the relationship that I have with my dad, it's like probably with more male relationships, mm-hmm. the, the more insecure side would come up. But mm-hmm. then I'll go into, well, I'm not even going to care, so I'll go back totally. to avoid it and won't, it, <laughs> won't even, like, address it. Totally. So do you think, like, it can show up quite nuanced? Mm. Like, oh, yeah, how have absolutely. you found it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think yeah. I think we can, you know, so when, so when we're describing these types, we yeah. generally all have a leaning Yes. In one direction or yes, another. Yes, for sure. But we can all absolutely show up in different, in different ways, yes. in different types of attachment. So, um, you know, I've had different friendships where mm-hmm. um, maybe the other person that I'm in a friendship with is actually more avoidant than me. And I yeah. find myself being quite anxious. Yeah, 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 sort yeah. Sort of like, oh, do, do they like me? Do they want to hang out? Like, <laughs> yeah. do they, I'm constantly sort of texting and like yeah, trying to totally. win them over, uh-huh. and, you know. Uh-huh. And then I've had other friendships where people are much more anxious than me and I find myself pulling back and pulling yes. back and feeling overwhelmed and feeling yes. kind of swallowed. Yes. And I'm like, just, I can relate whoa, to that. Whoa, whoa, yes. whoa, whoa. Back up, over <laughs> yeah. here, over here. Uh-huh. Um, and even as you say, like, I would agree mm-hmm. with you, like, um, my the older I got, the more sort of secure my relationship with my mum became mm-hmm. um, and the more avoidant my relationship with my dad became. Yeah. And so I can show up infinitely more avoidantly with men yes. than I can with women. Uh-huh. Um, there can be that yeah. real level of nuance. And, and like I say, we can build new relationships. Yes. You know, if I started a dating yeah. relationship... Yeah. Tomorrow with someone who is more avoidant than me, yeah. I would probably become quite anxious maybe yes. or more anxious. Yes. I don't know if I'd ever get fully Well, it's interesting like that way. yeah, cuz I think it really I think cuz I noticed like when I dated someone, I was more avoidant, they were more anxious yes. just like you shared. And and but all but I've also had it flipped around. Yes. Depending on if they remind me of my dad. <laughs> like, <laughs> totally. I think, I think, so it's just fascinating how, like, I think because we can hear these kind of terms and we get a little fixed on what mm. it has to look like. Mm. And that's why I think it's good for people mm. to go on a journey of understanding mm. how the nuances and layers of how it shows up. Yeah. Um, so I first kind of learned about this. When I was learning about safe bonding, like yes. I was learning about like 
how does my body feel because I was processing a romantic situation mm. like how does my body actually do I actually feel safe with this person mm. and like is this safe bonding or is this unsafe bonding yep um and I was learning a bit about trauma bonding mm. like how we connect to people um where we're trying to find our missing piece in some time in some ways yeah um so well first of all is there a difference because someone actually mentioned to me there's a difference between bonding and attachment. Mm. So mm. is there like what yeah, is there a difference between bonding and attachment? I I'd say so, but I'd say it's quite subtle. Yeah. I'd say um a really helpful way to think about attachment is attachment is attachment is literally mostly to do with um your nervous system. Mm. So it's it's how your nervous system behaves yeah. in connection with somebody else. Yeah. So generally people who are secure. Mm-hmm. Have you heard of the window of tolerance? Have you guys yes. talked about yes. that? And you can be yeah. in your window, you can yes. be above your window in hyperarousal or mm-hmm. below your window in hypoarousal. Mm-hmm. Generally people who are quite securely attached tend mm-hmm. to stay in their window of tolerance yeah. in their nervous system. Um, yes. quite easily. So mm-hmm. if there's conflict in relationship, yeah. I'm still in my window. If yeah. there's misunderstanding, if there's unmet needs, I'm still mostly inside of my window. Mm-hmm. So I find it quite easy to navigate the ups and the downs of the relationship. Mm-hmm. So I find it quite easy to say, hey, actually, I'm not feeling good about this. Can we change this? Or they find yeah. it quite easy to say, please, could you? Yes. You know, yeah. that doesn't push them into a, a place that feels scary. Yeah. When we have anxious and avoidant attachment, we're finding ourselves much more above our window and much more below our window mm-hmm. because we haven't actually experienced these secure relationships mm-hmm. growing up that have helped shape our nervous system in such a way yeah. that approaching conflict, approaching disconnection inside of relationship feels like a safe thing that can be navigated, feels Mm -hmm. like a safe thing that isn't going to mean I'm going to be abandoned, I'm going to lose relationship, I'm going to end up on my own. Mm -hmm. Um, And so attachment, our attachment styles are literally kind of sort of looking at the way that the way that our nervous system responds inside of relationship. So do I easily get pushed above my window and I'm very anxious like I'm about to be rejected I'm very anxious like I've been misunderstood I'm going to be mm-hmm. left alone do I very easily go into hopelessness and shut down and dissociation and say well p- nobody's yeah. going to meet my needs anyway yeah um there's also another interesting facet of attachment theory have you heard of something called mentalization Yes, but I don't really know what it is. Mm. Yeah. So mentalization is it's literally kind of our ability to think about ourselves and think about wow. other people. So when we're in counseling, we're mentalizing. Mm. So I'm thinking about connecting my own dots. Oh, mm. I felt this way because of this. Mm-hmm. Or if I'm sitting across from you and we were in a counseling session, I'm thinking, oh, Ella might be think- thinking this way, feeling this way because mm-hmm. of this, because of this part of her mm-hmm. experience. It's the ability to do that. Mm-hmm. And it's secure attachment that fosters that Mm. and when we don't have secure attachment we can't mentalize Mm. or our ability to mentalize becomes shut down so much more and if we think about it in terms of our nervous system when i'm outside of my window of tolerance when i'm in Mm -hmm. fight or flight or when i'm in freeze and shut down yeah i'm not thinking about oh let me process this trigger yeah let me what happened and how did it happen i'm in survival yeah i'm in how do I get back to safety? How do I get mm. back to feeling okay? Mm-hmm. Um, so I'd say there's a very sort of physiological yes. kind of dimension to attachment. So yeah. it's not just our emotional world, yeah. it's also our sort of psychological physiology yes. um, that's going on. Whereas kind of bonding, I would say, um, is more sort of talking about the quality of our relationships. Gotcha. And... Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, how we sort of what helps us step into that space of connection with mm-hmm. somebody else mm-hmm. rather than necessarily how do I respond when there's threat to connection. Yes, that makes sense. Does that make sense? Yeah, and would bonding be more referred to like how you bonded with your mom like yeah. when you were a newborn and yeah. like that, which so, forms an attachment. Absolutely. Like, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. So like, so an example would be my dad, growing up, my dad really bonded with me 
doing mm-hmm. sports. Like mm-hmm. we'd spend hours and hours and hours in the garden, kicking the football around. Mm-hmm. So I really learnt to bond and connect yeah. with men by playing sports. Yeah, so that's that been one of sense. the main ways that I have learnt how to do yes. that. Now imagine if me and my dad trauma bonded uh-huh. over... I don't know, chaotic Mm -hmm. upbringing or something. What have I learned? I've learned how to bond with men through trauma. Yeah. And so I find myself replicating those patterns of wanting to connect in ways that I know work. Yes, I know. Wow. And I think, yeah, I I find this so fascinating because... It feels, it feels like a lot of information if you're hearing it for the first time, but it does become very enlightening mm. when you can learn how to mm. change it. Yes. So how have you learned? Well, actually, first I'll go into, because I noticed like when in, like I've noticed because I've gone through, um, I went through something really traumatic in 2020, mm. and I noticed like I went into burnout, Mm. but I didn't know I was in burnout Mm. because I wasn't aware of my nervous system at Mm. that point. Mm. And I would find myself in like, oh, I'm way more avoidant Mm -hmm. in like, I I find it really hard to write text messages back. (laughs) Like, I find it really hard to like, do all of that. And it's, it's just really interesting, like how it doesn't feel like a linear process because yeah. I would have learned about attachment styles yep. back then. But it's like it's so fascinating to me how your nervous system is so a part of creating security. Yeah. 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 So how do we, like, get to that place of security yep. in, like, yeah, like calming our nervous system? Secure and attachment. Getting, yes, yeah. secure attachment. And I guess I guess maybe it's helpful to kind of sort of preface, like, you know, when we're talking about these things like yeah. attachment theory or the ways that we bond, mm-hmm. this is often, I don't know about you, but for me, it's not conscious at all. So, so yeah, unconscious. So unconscious. I am not thinking, do you know what? I'd really like to show up in this dating relationship and be really avoidant. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Or really anxious. <laughs> or really anxious, yeah. you know. Yeah. <laughs> it just, it's, it's, an incre- it's like a reflex. Mm-hmm. It's incredibly subconscious. Yes. A way to think about it is like it's... It's almost like a muscle memory map yes, of yeah. how to respond yeah. in connection mm-hmm. and inside of disconnection. Mm-hmm. And the reason we keep sort of talking back about our parents is it's our primary caregivers on a, mm. most often that shape our yeah. attachment system initially. The yeah. attachment theory was first discovered by a guy called John Bowlby, mm-hmm. who was a psycho dynamic something or other uh-huh. in England uh-huh. in like the 1800s yeah. and he was walking around orphanages and he um, this is when they used to <laughs> used to have orphanages and it was just like hundreds of babies in one room in, in, yeah. in cribs and he noticed that the babies on the outside of the room were dying more mm. than the babies on the inside of the room wow. and he started saying why why is this and they noticed that the babies on the outside of the room weren't getting picked up anywhere near as often as the babies on the inside of the room. Wow. He got really curious and he started thinking, that, oh, actually, like, there's something about connection here. There's something about attachment that is really pivotal to um, our sense of well-being, you know, on so many different levels, physically, mm-hmm. psychologically, emotionally. Um, so we're going right the way back, mm-hmm. like right back into our earliest infancy. Our, our nervous system is being shaped mm-hmm. by the way that we're interacted with. Um So I say all that to say I had a lot of shame and still do have a lot of shame sometimes when I behave avoidantly. Oh, same. I know all the info. I know. I I know what not to do. Oh, I'm glad you said that. Why do I keep doing it? (laughs) Yes. And and I'm sure maybe some people feel the same way. Yeah. About anxious. Anxious. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Why does this keep happening? Yeah. Break off that shame. Like you can't actually control it sometimes. Yes. Like it's. That's so true. It's just wired into the way that we respond to threat. It's yes. a, a really helpful way to think mm-hmm. about attachment would be, this is my threat response inside mm-hmm. of connection. Yes. When I feel threat in connection, I go off to be by myself or I get really yeah. sort of um, yeah. wanting people to be close. Yeah. Um, and the ways that we can sort of move towards secure attachment, I would say, number one, learning a little bit more about how you tend to respond. Mm-hmm. Again, not putting ourselves in a box and saying I'm yeah. always avoidant, but noticing, okay, when some helpful questions to help people get there might be when conflict comes up in relationship or when it feels like disconnections coming up in relationship, what's my tendency? Yeah. Or when I feel overwhelmed in relationship or I feel like my, my needs aren't getting met in relationship, mm-hmm. what do I tend to do? Mm-hmm. Do I tend to pull away, mm-hmm. go be off by myself, 
self-adjust, talk myself through my unmet needs and be like, it's okay, you don't need to have them. Go and get someone else to meet those needs. You know, yeah. do I pull away from the relationship mm-hmm. or do I find myself leaning really intensely into the relationship and becoming quite demanding or yeah. asking a lot of somebody or um, really sort of trying to force the point to help somebody meet my needs or do I find myself feeling quite relaxed and being able to give a voice to what it is that I'm feeling and what it is that I'm needing and being able to be flexible like you were saying Mm. asking you to meet some of my needs but I can also go off and Mm -hmm. regulate yeah just how do I tend to respond what's Mm. my tendency and do you notice a difference between the way I react to women the way I react to men Mm -hmm. the way I react to parent figures the way I react to friends authority figures bosses yeah bosses like just kind of almost helping yourself sort of draw out like an attachment map for yourself how what what are my tendencies yeah not black and white but what are my tendencies yeah and then and then we want to think about in terms of so if we've got those two features mm-hmm. of how we regulate. So mm-hmm. we, we can self-regulate and we can co-regulate with others. Mm. So those would be the two things that we'd be wanting to work on to move towards secure attachment. Yes. If I have a tendency to be anxious, it's probably a little bit more leaning into learning how to self-regulate. Mm-hmm. Can, I, can I actually be on my own and can I self-soothe? Mm-hmm. Can I do things that help me relax? Can I take up a bubble bath? Can I journal? Can I spend time in worship music can Mm -hmm. I call another friend and process can I almost can I sort of sit with myself in the abandonment feelings Mm -hmm. that I'm that are getting pushed by the fact that there's conflict in the relationship yeah and can I show up for myself yes in a way that feels healing and a way that feels healthy Mm. and then over on the other end when I begin to feel all of that anxiety coming up inside of relationship and my tendency is to want to pull away can I not abandon myself yes by pulling away and leading myself into aloneness and leading myself Mm. into deprivation and leading Mm -hmm. myself into um loss of things and can I begin to take a few small steps in the direction of vulnerability with other people yes doesn't even necessarily have to be the relationship that I'm having the conflict in but can I approach somebody and say, yeah. hey, oh, this hurt. Or, yeah. hey, can I process this with you? Or, hey, mm-hmm. you know, just taking those those little steps, risking, hey, it really hurt when you said that. Or it would really mean a lot yeah. to me if yeah. we could do this or we could do that. Or, yeah. Um, so being a conscious of those two, mm-hmm. th- our tendencies, mapping it out for ourselves, yeah. being, being aware, and then taking small steps yeah. That's in the direction so of one or the other. And not beating ourselves up when we can't do it. Yeah. The, the truth is you're probably going to react in your tendency mm-hmm. and then afterwards think, yeah, oh, yeah, I've just been avoidant again. And I think, like, I know for me in learn, becoming more aware of my tendency, I, like, had to, like, kind of become aware first but then also be able to kind of see the tests that come up. So for me, I would look at the things that would make me want to avoid. And like you kind of mentioned at the start of it, start to run at that thing. And like really, um, and even because I think as a woman, Mm -hmm. (laughs) kind of like what I felt growing up, a lot of like my needs don't matter. As especially like someone else is more in pain. So your needs don't matter. And so it is more hard to yeah. be like, that hurt my feelings. Yeah. <laughs> because sometimes we also had it modeled to us that like really aggressive, like you're bad because you hurt my feelings. So it's yep. hard to be vulnerable. Yeah. To feel safe to do that. Yeah. Um, but we, learning that your needs do matter. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think, you know, from a compassion standpoint, it's it's recognizing that I developed these skills to survive yes. the environment that I grew up mm-hmm. in. I developed these skills to cope with mm-hmm. the feelings that felt really intolerable. Yes. The rejection that felt intolerable. Yeah. The aloneness that mm-hmm. felt intolerable. The mm-hmm. loss that felt intolerable. Yeah. I developed these things to negotiate those emotions. Mm-hmm. So what we're asking somebody to do when yeah. we run at our yeah. attachment styles is actually face some of those feelings mm-hmm. that for our entire history have felt quite intolerable. Yeah. And, you know, like we said, it's very subconscious. Yes. It's all about 
feelings that we remember. Mm-hmm. And when we get into conflict in relationship and we remember the feelings of rejection, we remember mm-hmm. the feelings of abandonment, we remember that, you know, it is that subconscious, mm-hmm. ah, I'm not yes. okay, threat, response, I've got to yes. pull backwards. Yeah. I think a really, a really key piece for me was um, I ended up getting a couple of pieces. So this was all kind of around about the same time as my breakup and mm-hmm. um, where I learned about attachment theory. And I ended up getting a bit of feedback from a couple of friends. Yeah. And it floored me. Really? <laughs> it floored me, Ella. Yeah. Honestly. Yeah. I was like, okay, being avoidantly attached means lo- I'm low need, mm-hmm. you know, I'm low maintenance. Mm-hmm. Who wouldn't want to have me around? Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not mm-hmm. going to cost you too much. Right. And I had this friend who um, we ended up having a little bit of conflict. And when we mm-hmm. would have conflict, I would kind of sort of freeze in the moment, survive yeah. it, and then leave. Yeah. And go and regulate by myself and yes. then come back. And she sort of articulated to me, actually, Ruth, when you leave, I feel really abandoned. Yeah. I feel like I don't get to have a voice in this conflict. I don't get to have a say. Mm. I don't get to be mm-hmm. met in my pain. Mm-hmm. It's all about what you can tolerate and what you can't tolerate. Mm. And I was like, oh, my gosh, that, that's not my heart at all. Right. Like, my yeah, heart is never to run away to from that. you and, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. you know, make you feel yeah. like you can't have a voice. Of course I want you to have a voice. Yeah. And I think it was the first time it started to dawn on me that my survival mechanisms inside a relationship were affecting the other person Mm -hmm. on the other end Mm -hmm. and for me somebody who also has been very low need very Mm -hmm. you know my needs don't matter almost that leverage of oh I'm affecting Mm -hmm. somebody else yeah with my behavior yes was was uh a real driving force to work on some of it whereas if it was just me by myself I'm like yeah. Can I survive being avoidant? Probably. Yeah. And I think, well, man, I think I've also had the hard feedback from friends. <laughs> <laughs> like, you can, it's all keeps you humble. Oh, doesn't it? <laughs> like, you can never be perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, I think being not because I didn't know how to voice things mm-hmm. in the moment. Mm-hmm. And then I would hold, like, resentment yeah, and then feel like, well, I can't have a voice now because I should have said something before. And so part of my learning journey is to say no in the moment if I can't do something, which was really hard because I would be like, sure, I can probably. And then people are like, you kind of let us on. You kind of gave us this (laughs) expectation that you could. And then I'm like, oh, oh, my gosh, that's so hard Mm. to kind of sit with because I wasn't brave enough to be honest in the moment. Mm, I would mm. be more avoidant. Yeah. And like and so it's actually helped me be more brave. Yeah. <laughs> to kind of be yeah. like, actually I can't do that. I'd rather yeah. disappoint you now yeah. than disappoint you deeply <laughs> later. So you know? Because we can repair that in the moment. Like so you know. True. So yeah. But it is it's so interesting, isn't it? Because it's facing I mean, what we're describing is facing that emotion in the moment. Yes. Which feels almost intolerable. Yes. So we're yes. like, I will just say whatever I need to say. Yes. I will agree. I will, because yeah. there's something about that emotion that feels yes. so scary to sit with and so scary yes. to feel. And I'd rather kick the can down the road, uh-huh. you know. But actually what we're learning is yes, I can face this emotion. Yes. You know, what securely attached people have mm-hmm. is the gift of knowing I can face rejection. Yes. I can face criticism. Yeah. I can yeah. face shame. I can face all these really scary mm-hmm. feelings. Mm-hmm. And I can get back to a space of safety. Yes. Very quickly and yes. very easily. Yes. Meaning that I don't have to run away from the person I'm in mm-hmm. relationship with or I don't mm-hmm. have to push into the person yeah. I'm in relationship with. Because yeah. I actually feel secure in myself mm-hmm. emotionally. Yeah. I know that I can navigate the yeah. feelings that come my way. Yeah. Yeah, that's so good. That's so good. So it's so difficult. So difficult. I love how we're <laughs> talking about how difficult it is because I think there was a lot of shame before I knew about stress responses mm. and, like, survival tactics that we do. I think I would be like, well, that person's passive or that mm. person's really aggressive and have some judgments of, like, well, they need to change. And it's like, well, that's super hard to do that. Mm. And, like, I know for me, like, I've focused on, like, well, I would need the anxious person to change, yep. but like, how would you, what recommendations would you give? Because sometimes we want someone else to listen to this podcast and be like, they need to know they're avoidant, <laughs> or they need to know they're anxious. Yeah, like, what would your 
encouragement to someone who's like struggling with these kind of dynamics and how can they where they, where can they put their attention yeah. and their focus? That's a fabulous question, isn't it? I think we all <laughs> yeah. have that tendency. Don't I know. We? I know what the problem is. The problem is you. Yes, I know. <laughs> and if you Re- would just change, yes, then I would be okay. Then I would feel safe. <laughs> so yeah. If you would stop being anxious, then I would be yeah. feel like not overwhelmed. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, hundred mm-hmm. percent. And that's that's actually quite a helpful way to say it. Is, yeah, is sort of. If you become safe, I need you to become safe enough for me to feel safe internally. Mm. And you are never going to be able to come safe enough for me to feel internally safe if I can't be safe for myself. Yes. So that's where my attention has to show up. Yep. My attention has to be focused on how can I show up Mm -hmm. and be a sense of safety for me Mm -hmm. inside of these scary feeling emotions. Yeah. So if we, again, if we go back to that continuum, yeah. So the people on both the anxious and the avoidant end are both abandoning themselves yeah. in different ways. Yes. So when those intense, scary feelings come mm-hmm. up, the rejection, the shame, the, the aloneness, mm-hmm. you know, the fear, what both people are doing in different ways is leaving themselves. Yes. I'm either leaving myself to try and gain comfort from somebody else mm-hmm. or, I'm, or I'm just leaving myself yeah. and trying to gain comfort from numbing out zoning out yeah chocolate food whatever yeah um and what we need in order to create a sense of safety and security inside of ourselves Mm -hmm. is to instead of when those feelings come up check out Mm -hmm. in the way that we do yeah check in yeah what does it look like to show up Mm -hmm. for that little part of ourselves yeah you know like a really helpful way that i do this with clients whether it's consulting or whether it's in psychology is kind of almost imagining ourselves as a child mm-hmm. you know how was I raised when mm-hmm. these feelings came up yeah actually my mum was really depressed yeah and she wouldn't respond to me mm. how would that have felt oh, I would have felt intensely lonely and it would mm. have felt really abandoning okay I'm actually replicating that behavior with myself. Mm. When I slip into avoidance, I'm abandoning myself in the same way that my mum did. Mm. What does it look like for me to do the opposite to myself? What does it look like for me to sit with that emotion and say, Ruth, I see you. I hear you. I'm so sorry. That's so difficult. Mm. Let me do something caring for you. Let Mm -hmm. me do something kind for you. Mm -hmm. Let me help you get your needs met in a Mm. healthy way. Yeah, that's so good. Yeah. And safety, you know, like we say, attachment attachment is a neurophysiological sensation. Mm-hmm. So the more securely attached I become, mm-hmm. the more I create an invitation for you to become securely attached mm-hmm. to me. Yeah. So it's reciprocal. Yes. You know, and actually instead of sort of pointing our fingers the other way and going, I need you to be safe enough for me to feel safe, mm-hmm. the question becomes, can I be safe enough inside of myself that it creates an invitation for yeah. the other person in relationship with me yeah. to take risks to become. Yeah, which is so inspiring mm. because, um, yeah, and I love that. I think just sort of in closing, mm-hmm. um, I think when I'm first meeting a client or starting to talk to people about, like, how do you connect to, to mm-hmm. yourself mm-hmm. or create safety with yourself, it feels so abstract. Mm-hmm. Um, And you kind of talked a little bit about, like, visualizing yourself as, like, a little kid Mm -hmm. or, like, reparenting. Um, Do you have any sort of other tips on how to connect to yourself? Mm -hmm. Because it's kind of abstract. Um, So maybe, yeah, how how can you sort of break it down so that people can start to build safety with themselves? Very abstract. It is very (laughs) abstract. (laughs) I know. Um, I think, you know, I think there's a few sort of, very practical things that yes. you can do. So um, journaling, number one, is a very practical way to mm-hmm. connect to yourself. I mean, yep. it's literally sort of like having a conversation with yeah. yourself. Yeah. So the way that I journal is I just kind of free freestyle, you know. Yeah. So it doesn't have to be any prompting questions. It can just be, oh, what am I feeling in this moment? Mm-hmm. Why do I feel feeling that way? And I just sort of let myself verbally express. Yeah. Whereas if I'm abandoning myself, I don't let myself verbally express. Mm-hmm. I'm That's shutting, so good. I'm pushing away those feelings. I'm pushing mm-hmm. away those emotions. So journaling is a way of 
sitting with those feelings a little bit longer, verbally expressing, wrapping some language around them. There's all sorts of studies out there that show if we can wrap some language around an emotion, it feels way less scary. Yes, that's so true. We don't put any language around it. So journaling, 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 journaling. Mm-hmm. I know people get sick of hearing about it, but it really is. It really does. Yeah. Really powerful, really um Another way that we can do this is, you know, so if we think about ourselves in terms of we're emotions, we're cognitive thoughts, we're also bodily sensations, there's ways that we can sort of create physical safety with ourselves Mm -hmm. um, that can help create security. Mm -hmm. So um, uh, a really simple, easy one that I do a lot with clients is called a butterfly hug. Mm. Uh, Have you heard of this? No, no. Butterfly hug. So you take your right hand Uh and you sort of stick it under your, I'm a bit sweaty at the moment, (laughs) (laughs) under your left armpit. Uh And then you take your left hand and you put it on your right shoulder. So you're... Oh, this way. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you're, so you're, you're kind of almost sort of giving mm-hmm. yourself a hug. Yes. This is a somatic technique. Yeah. So if I was feeling some of those feelings that feel really scary, mm-hmm. really out of control inside of connection and relationship, a way that I can create security is by literally what I'm doing here is I'm contain- I'm showing myself that my emotion is contained inside of my body. Mm. So if you think about when a little kid becomes scared and overwhelmed and he goes to mum and mum rubs his back or rubs mm-hmm. his hair, she's showing him soothing and comfort, yes. but she's also showing him these emotions are contained inside your body. They're not everywhere. Yeah. They're not pervasive. They're not wow. all-consuming. They're mm-hmm. happening inside of you. Yeah. And often those feelings that we're the most scared of, we kind of feel like there's no beginning and end to them. Yes. And so what we're showing ourselves here is like, I'm just becoming mm-hmm. conscious. I'm thinking, okay, I'm feeling rejection. I'm feeling aloneness. I'm feeling sadness. Mm-hmm. But I'm also really conscious of like the physical sensation of my hands on either side mm-hmm. of my body. Mm-hmm. And it just helps me create to that security mm-hmm. that, oh, okay, these, these emotions aren't unending. Yeah. Like they're contained mm. inside of me. That would be a very physical way to yeah. do something. Yeah. Other ways can be really simple self-soothing techniques mm-hmm. like, it sounds silly, but take a bubble bath, mm-hmm. light a candle that you like mm-hmm. the smell of. Um, yeah. Look at some pictures, listen to some music that you like. Yeah. All of that is helping to kind of yeah. soothe and regulate our nervous yeah. system when we're feeling Mm-hmm. in that fight or flight or in that shutdown and dissociation space. Yeah, We're showing so up good. for ourselves with kindness. Yes. And I think, I mean, I've heard a lot of um, trauma therapists say that how they help um, trauma survivors kind of work through their pain mm. and the, the story that happened is through writing, mm. like rewriting, yep. changing the narrative. Yep. Um, because there's so many distortions that yes. happen or things that happen inside us. So I love yes. that you mentioned journaling, and I am a big journaler. Yes. I always like big to advocate. ask myself questions, <laughs> like, what need am I trying to get met? Oh, I want to get, I want to be seen, so how do I see myself? Like, ask, Great. you know, flipping questions, that. like, what yeah. are, what am I trying to get from this situation, yeah. you know? Very avoidant, well done. Yes. Okay. Like, I'll just give I'll it to myself. myself. I'll just give it to myself. I won't ask. <laughs> for it. <laughs> There's no judgment in that statement, by the yeah, way. Yeah, I yeah. do the exact same thing. Yes. So. Yes. It's so true. <laughs> but it's so helpful. Yes, totally. It's so helpful. You learn oh. so much about yourself by doing Yes, that. by journaling and mm. expressing yourself. And then I find journaling, you can actually communicate to other people yeah. what you need. Yeah. Yeah. It's like I, I watch my students even like having, because I walk with them for like four years, mm. some of them. And I'm like, wow, you're so articulate mm. now because you mm. actually learn how to journal. So good. Like, and work out what's yeah. actually happening inside you. So Yeah, because, I mean, if you think about yeah. that, how scary. You, you've got someone saying, have a need, have a need, have a need. Yes. But I've never been able, it's been so scary for me to do that. Yes. I've never learned how to wrap language around my needs. So yes. how do I have a need? Yes, I have exactly. to learn how to wrap language around what I feel and what I think and what I need before I can even risk yeah. telling yeah, someone else so about true. it. And, guys, it's cheap. You just need a paper and a pen. Oh, <laughs> you, don't, you don't always need therapy. You can just do that. <laughs> we can listen to Ella's podcast. Oh, totally. Yes, that you should. Well, anyway, thank you so much for coming on. Thanks it's for been having so me. good. I feel to like we could have talked and I know. talked and talked. Talked and talked. Anyway, yeah. what a treat Delightful. to have you on. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening today. Please download, share with your friends and write a review. If you would like to book in a life coaching session with me, go to my website at www.ella-hooper.com or follow me on Instagram at Next Brave Thing Podcast.